Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, please turn to Acts chapter 7. That's where we're going to be here in just uh, a few moments. And by a few, I mean several. We'll get there eventually. Um, We started this sermon series entitled The Acts of the Holy Spirit. And in week one, uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us power. And we looked at Acts chapter 1 and 2. And uh, kind of the theme verse for uh, that first sermon in the series uh, was Acts 1-8, how that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Week two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us life. Life. It's Acts 3.15 that says that Jesus is the author of life, and even though he was killed, he was raised from the dead. Week 3, we looked at how the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, that famous prayer in Acts 4.29 where the church, they were praying that they would have boldness to preach the word, and God answered that prayer and gave them great boldness there in Jerusalem. And then last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. And we looked at Acts chapter 6, verse 3 in particular, says that seven were chosen to be leaders and servants in the early church, and they were full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Today's message, we're gonna, we'll, we'll get to the end of chapter 7 here in just a few moments, but if you are facing a trial right now in life, if you're experiencing some opposition right now in life, well, this message is for you. And if everything is going great in your life right now, good for you. Good for you. One day... You will experience a trial in life. One day you'll experience opposition, and so you'll need to remember this message. So I hope you take good notes, okay? What I know about life is that every one of us, we come to those places in life when life seems to be a little harder than normal. It seems like things are working against us. It seems like people are working against us. And in those moments, we need this thing called endurance. We need endurance. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, how the Holy Spirit gives us endurance. I want to start with a definition. It'll appear on the screen. If you're taking notes, you can fill in the blanks. It is this. Endurance is the learned ability. Notice, it's a learned ability. Some people, sometimes we think either I have endurance or I don't. No, no, no. It's the learned learned ability to persevere in task or calling in the face of a trial or opposition. It is the learned ability to persevere in task, whether you're doing something at one point in time, or it is your calling in life that you're trying to live out in the face of trial or opposition. Now, Jesus tells us that we need this thing called endurance. In fact, in Matthew 10, 22, Jesus says this. He's talking to his disciples. He's preparing them for what's coming, that what we're seeing play out in the book of Acts and the persecution that's coming. And he says, all nations will hate you because you are my followers. He says, guys, you just need to know uh, that that people are actually not going to like the fact that you are a follower of me. They're not going to like you. They're not going to like what you stand for. It's just going to happen. This is Jesus talking, getting them ready for what's coming. He says, all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but... Everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Right there, Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Now, Paul tells us that this endurance that Jesus is talking about is something that can be developed in us. We see it in Romans 5, 3 through 4. Paul says in Romans 5, 3 through 4, he says, we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Right there, endurance is something that we can develop, something that can be developed in our life. 
They help us develop endurance. Now, here's what happens after that. And endurance, oh, that develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Right there, Paul says, is that endurance is something that can be developed in us. It must be developed in us. It's like a muscle. It must be developed. He says, and what flows out of that is strength of character and confidence. Now, as we go through the trials of life, as we meet opposition in life because of being a follower of Jesus, Paul says you're going to get stronger and stronger as you move through that. And what is being strengthened is, number one, your character, your integrity. And then number two, not only that, your confidence in who God is and that he is the God of salvation. Not just salvation that gets you from earth to heaven. He is the God who saves you every single time you encounter a trial or opposition in life. And so Jesus says those who endure to the end, those are the ones that will be saved. And Paul says you have to develop this kind of endurance. But when you do, when you do, your character is going to be stronger and your confidence in who God is is going to be stronger. And so the first thing I want to do this morning is I want to give you six points about endurance. And I think we have to start here with point number one. Point number one is that Jesus is actually the one. Jesus gives me the endurance that I need. That's where it comes from. If I'm going to endure in life, if I'm going to make it through life, all that life throws at me, the kind of endurance that I need comes from Christ. It comes from Christ. And not only does it come from Christ, it comes from Christ because he walks with us every single step of the way. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 says this. It says, May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding, not a partial understanding, a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Those two words, patient endurance, comes from Christ. Those two words, patient endurance, happen, uh, we see that over and over through Scripture. We're going to see it a lot this morning. He says, the kind of patient endurance that we need in this life, it only comes from Christ. Now, Jesus is our ultimate example of endurance, right? He's the one that went through all the mocking. He's the one that went through all the beatings on our behalf. He's the one that put up with all the rejections, all the false accusations, all the way through the crucifixion. That was Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, I've already walked down that road. I have the endurance that you need. You don't have it on your own. I have the endurance you need. I can help you endure through all the things, all the trials and opposition that you're going to go through in life. I can help you there. Have you ever met someone uh, who is, uh, you know, kind of a know-it-all and an expert in everything? You know, you ever met that kind of person? Don't look at them. But have you ever met one of those people? You know? Yeah. All right. So that's not Jesus. He's not just someone claiming that he can help you endure. No, he endured all of it, all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And so when Jesus looks at us and he says, I can help you endure, I promise you, he's been through everything you're going to go through. And so the endurance we need comes from Christ. Point number two is that endurance is needed when my strength runs out. Endurance is needing when, when my strength runs out. The truth is, most of the time, we try to make it through life with our strength, with our wisdom, 
with our own resilience, whatever the word is that you want to use, fortitude, use any word you want to. We try it, we think, I have what I need to make it through life. But there comes this point in life when your earthly strength runs out, that's when you need divine endurance. And that's when God shows up in powerful ways. It's a very humbling thing to experience something in life, to walk through something in life that you just can't conquer on your own. It is. It is. But it's in those moments when God shows up and he gives us the endurance we need because we stop relying on ourselves. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9 puts it this way. I love what Paul says here. He says, we think you ought to know something, church. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed. Notice the next phrase, beyond our ability to endure. You see that? Paul says, we were in a situation, the province of Asia, it was too much for us. He goes on and he says this, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. He said, he says, we were in a place, we just knew we were not going to make it. It was not going to happen. And it could not happen in our own strength. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone through something in life and you just thought, there's no way I'm going to live through this. There's no way I'm going to make it through this. There's no way I can get past this. All right, that's where Paul was, even to the point of saying, I, I, I didn't think I was going to live through it. But, he says, as a result, and here's what he wants the church to know. But, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learn something. Endurance is the learned ability to persevere. We learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Right here, he says, we were at the breaking point in our life. We were beyond ourselves. We had no more solutions. It, we thought it was the end of our physical life. And in that moment, we learned how to not rely on ourselves, but how to rely only on God who raises the dead. Now, I believe that God does not cause evil. No, no, no. But sometimes he allows us to get to that point in life that is just a little bit beyond what we can handle. And he allows us to get to that point in life because in those moments we stop trusting ourselves and we start trusting him. Remember when Jesus decided to go for um, you know, barefooted water skiing during a storm at night? Y'all remember that? You know, it's a storm, the disciples are in the boat, and Jesus walks out on the water, they think it's a ghost, they're all panicking and freaking out, and Jesus goes, no, 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 it's me, guys, and Peter's like, well, if it's really you, call me, and I'll come out, and I'll walk to you, right? And, and notice the crazy thing about that story is, Jesus let Peter get out of the boat. You notice that? You know, I, I mean, Peter's not the son of God. He didn't say, whoa, easy, Peter, you know, may want to think about this a little bit. He goes, no, no, come on out, come on out pretty deep. Peter gets out of the boat. As long as his eyes are on Jesus, he's walking on the water. As soon as his eyes get on the wind and the waves, he starts to sink, right? And then even when he sinks, Jesus reaches down and grabs his hand and pulls him up, puts him back in the boat. Jesus let Peter get out of the boat. He let him walk through something that was beyond himself so that in those moments in the future when he was in those situations beyond himself, he would look back and rely on him. Not Peter. Not Peter. Endurance is needed when my strength runs out. And I'm sorry, there are going to be times in life when your strength runs out. And that's okay. 
Those are actually the best moments in life. When we stop trusting in ourselves and we start trusting Christ. Point number three is endurance is needed to stay in God's will. To stay in God's will. At the end of the day, you're either going to live by your will, you're going to live by somebody else's will, or you're going to live by God's will. There's a whole lot of people in this world, they're either influenced by others, they live by someone else's will, or they live by their own will, and they reject God's will. But if I'm going to stay in God's will, I have to live into this thing called endurance. Now, I wish that I could tell you that God's will was always going to be easy. And I wish that I could tell you that everybody was always going to agree that, yes, that is God's will for your life. Truth is, that's not true. Number one, God's will is not always easy. It's not. And number two, there are going to be a whole lot of people who disagree with you in the process. A whole lot of people. But if I'm going to stay in God's will, I have to endure. I have to keep pushing forward so that I can live it out. That's why Hebrews 10.36 says this. Patient endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance is what you need now. Why? So that you will continue to do God's will. We need patient endurance so that we can continue to do God's will. Then, he says, you will receive all that has been promised. Then. The truth is we have a lot of people in our lives and around us, and they either intentionally or unintentionally discourage us. And, And people discourage us in three main ways. They say three phrases. Either, number one, you cannot do that. Or number two, you should not do that. Or number three, they demand you must not do that. You must not do that. And whenever we're hearing those phrases as it relates to God's will for our life, we need to be very careful and make sure that we're checking that according to what God's will really is. Our job is to every day to wake up, breathe in the grace of God, put one foot in front of the other, block out all the naysayers in our life, and keep moving forward and try to stay in step with God's will. That's our job. Our job. And the person that we're responsible for in that is us first and foremost and then our family then our church and it moves on out from there but endurance is needed if I'm going to stay in God's will number four is that endurance is needed to receive God's blessing to receive God's blessing we have to be very careful that we do not fall into the trap of entitlement where we feel like because I've done things in the past a certain way God you owe me something I hate to break it to you, God doesn't owe you anything. And he didn't even owe you your next breath. But he's so kind. And he's so good. And he blesses us all the time. But endurance is needed in order to receive God's blessing in life. If we don't think that, then we have an entitled mentality. That's why James says, James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently endure. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And then notice the word afterward. Afterward, after enduring the testing and temptation, afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And those who love him are the ones who endure. And those who love him and are the ones who endure, those are the people that God blesses. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. The word good means doing what is godly the godly thing to do. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will will reap a harvest of blessing if, 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 if we don't give up. If we don't give up. 
meaning if we endure. Those are the people who receive God's blessing in life. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and he says, Endure suffering along with me, along with me, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. See, we have to learn how to endure. So many times we think that God should just bless us because we're alive, right? And if God does not bless us, then somehow we're mean. Listen, our families have to learn how to endure together. We don't do this very well, just to be honest with you, in our culture. That's why we're losing a whole generation of people. I've, I've talked to countless parents or grandparents raising grandchildren over the years in ministry, countless ones. I remember a conversation years ago, you know, a lady comes to me, little Johnny's acting up. Sorry if your name's Johnny. Sorry, I made it up the name. But anyway, you know, little Johnny's acting up. You know, really? You know, acting up at school, don't want anything to do with God. Okay, okay. So uh, when do y'all pray together like as a family? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Oh, okay. Um, so, so, so how do you put little Johnny in an environment where people are opening up God's word and he can be around good role models and be in worship, you know, and God, how are you doing that? Well, I don't want to force Johnny to go to church. So how old's Johnny? Oh, he's eight. You know, at that point, I might as well just say, well, come back in eight years when everything's falling apart. You know what I mean? You don't want to force your eight-year-old. And here's what I always ask. I said, if little Johnny, whether he's 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, little Johnny has a medical problem, do you let him vote on going to the hospital? Oh, I'm messing now. Really? You let little Johnny have a vote on his medical conditions? Why would we do it spiritually? See, parents and grandparents, I is one. All right, I'm with you. Listen, we're losing a whole generation because we forget, we forget. It's our responsibility to take care for our children and grandchildren, body and soul. Body and soul. And a lot of times, I'm going to mess with the teenagers now. A lot of times teenagers come out and they're like, well, I have rights. Oh, Well, is it my right or responsibility to feed you? Right? Take care of you body and soul. I'm going to step off the box now. Listen, we as families have to learn to endure together. We wonder why the family's breaking down and crumbling all around us. Come on, parents and grandparents. We got to get in there. We have to teach our kids to endure and push through hard things in life and not just tell them they're always going to get a trophy. It doesn't work that way. And we have to move forward. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> we'll go on to number five. Endurance is needed to be all that God wants me to be. You really want to be all that God wants you to be, you're going to have to endure. You're never going to get there until you keep pushing through. Jesus said anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Paul got to this place in his life in Acts 20, 24. He says, you know, my life is worth nothing unless I use it 
for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He says, my, I've gotten to this point in life when life is worth nothing, nothing, unless I live for him. Unless I keep pushing through and I keep doing what he's called me to do. All the beatings Paul went through, all the shipwrecks, all of it, all of it, all the uh, mocking that he went through, every bit of it, he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My, work, my life is worth nothing unless I keep going to the finish line because I want to be who God has called me to be. And I want to be all that God has called me to be. You don't get there without endurance. You don't get there. And we live life going around looking for fulfillment everywhere else. Paul said there's only one place to find it. Number six is that my endurance will determine my eternity. My endurance will determine my eternity. I love you. That's why I tell you. Jesus said those who endure to the end will be saved. Implication, don't endure, no salvation. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy 2. He says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he's going to honor that, and he will deny us. He got that straight from Jesus. He said, if you deny me before men on earth, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. It takes endurance all the way through to the end to experience what God has for us. So we have to keep going. So all that was my introduction to get to Acts chapter 7. <laughs> but right here in Acts chapter 7, at the very end, they show us how we can endure what we're going through. How can I endure what I'm going through? Stephen is called on the carpet, if you will. He talks about all that God has done throughout human history to bring us to the point where we have the Messiah. And the religious people of the day do not like it. By the way, you don't have to go to church every Sunday to fall in the category of a religious person. But the religious people of the day do not like it. In fact, as he's retelling Israel's story and how God has worked through human history, bringing us to this point where we have the Messiah, we pick it up, Acts 7, 54 and following. The first thing I want you to see, point number one, is that if we're going to endure what we're going through, we have to look at Christ, not the crisis. We have to stay focused on Christ, not the crisis that's happening around us. Here's what happens here in verse 54. The Jewish leaders, they were so upset, infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in t steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. Notice, he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then he told them, those who were standing around, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. All of a sudden, this persecution that's coming toward the church has been building and building and building to this point. And now Stephen's sitting here in front of all the religious people. They, they are ready to kill him. And his eyes are on Jesus through the whole thing. 
His eyes are on Jesus. He knows what's coming. Stephen, he is facing death. He is at the greatest crisis of his life. He knows what will happen. And in this moment, he keeps his eyes on Christ. We all experience distractions. We all experience disruptions in life. But it is up to us. We get to choose who we give our attention to over the long haul. And in those moments, in a crisis, when things are going crazy around us and we're experiencing a trial or opposition in life, we get to choose who we focus in on. And Stephen right here models for us that in this moment of great pressure, the hardest moment of his life, his eyes are on Christ. See, here's the thing. What or who you turn to in life What or who you turn to in life when life gets hard reveals your real God. If you go to one of the, or if you get in one of those hard moments in life and your immediate reaction is, how can I just, you know, buy my way out of this problem? Your God's your money. If you come to those stressful times of life and you think, I just need to pour myself into my work more and more because then I'll get meaning, your God is your job. If you get to those points in life and, you, and, you, and life is going crazy, you say, I can fix this, then you are your God. You're trusting in yourself. In this moment, Stephen, he is focused on Christ, not the crisis that's happening around him. Number two, when we get to those places where we have to endure and push through all the stress in life, we have to forgive like Christ instead of fighting out of fear. This is a very important point because when stress goes up, Most of the time, we as human beings, we say some things we shouldn't say, and we do some things we shouldn't do. When when anxiety goes up, when stress goes up, when life gets hard, when the pressure is on, that's when a lot of life's regrets happen. Even right here, notice Stephen's attitude. Pick it up in verse 57. It says, Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. As he's talking about seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father, they cover their ears. They don't want to hear it. It says, They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Keep going. Verse 59, they stoned him. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, watch this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. His focus is on Christ in the midst of the crisis. And then notice what else he says. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting so they could hear it. Lord, Don't charge them with this sin. He prays for himself. He asks for the people who are literally killing him's forgiveness. God, don't hold it against them. And then the text says, and with that, he died. You see, what you look at in the crisis will determine how you live through the crisis every time. And we're either going to endure, and if we endure like Christ, that means that we will reflect Christ. I believe it was Jesus on the cross with two other people. I believe it was Jesus inviting people into paradise. I believe it was Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do when he's being nailed to the cross. And right here, Stephen is doing the very same thing as people pick up stones to kill him. And we're either going to endure like Christ or we're going to implode on ourselves because you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough. Life's too hard. None of us are strong enough. But in these moments when we focus on Christ, not the crisis, 
when we're willing to live like Christ through the crisis, even forgiving our enemies. That's when God does amazing things. And point number three is this. We have to remember every trial on earth is a victory in heaven. Every single one. Everything we go through on earth, every trial, every moment of opposition, every point of pain ultimately is going to be a victory in heaven. God is in heaven looking through us as we go through what we go through. And he's saying, son, daughter, I have this. I have this. If you look in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, right after Stephen is killed, it says, Saul was one of the witnesses and agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. At that point, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. That's his goal. He went from house to house, dragging both men and women to throw them into prison. Notice at the end of verse 1 what it says. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. All the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of where? Judea, Samaria. Judea, Samaria. Judea, Samaria. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to see power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. In this moment, when the early church, it seems like everything could be crushed right here. Movement over. God takes that persecution and he uses it to spread the disciples throughout Judea and Samaria. And guess what they were talking about? They were talking about this Jesus. So even when it looks like we're losing on earth, when it looks like the trial is going to overtake you on earth, when it looks like you're not going to get through this one on earth, God's in heaven with a smile on his face, sitting very calmly on his throne, saying, watch this. This is going to be a victory for the kingdom may not look that way right now, but it will be. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're going through that you caused in your life or that someone else caused in your life. But I know that God is so good, whether we caused it or someone else caused it, He is so good that He can turn what looks like a total failure what looks like opposition we can't overcome, he can take those moments and turn it into a victory. And I believe he will. If we will commit to him and enduring for him and by him. You got communion elements? Take out the wafer, if you don't mind.
simple piece of bread reminds us that Jesus endured all the way to the cross and three days later experienced the power of God, the power of resurrection. This should remind you that no matter how broken you may feel right now, God can put you back together. And so the body that was broken for us is what makes us whole. Take and eat the body of Christ. This juice, simple juice. But when we look at it, we remember that not only was his body broken on the cross, his blood was shed so that we may have new life, so that a divine DNA could run through us. Take and drink the blood of Christ. And so, Lord, as these elements, as simple as they are, remind us of so much, we receive them today as we receive you. Life is too hard. The mountains are too big. The valleys are too deep for us alone. But thank you for being our shepherd, being our guide, being our constant guide through all that we navigate. And thank you for giving us the power to endure. Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here right now, especially those who are experiencing opposition, walking through a trial. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence like never before. And I pray that you would help them, give them the strength to take a deep breath and breathe in your grace and mercy. Put one foot in front of the other and stay in step with you. Help us endure because we can't do it alone. In Jesus' name, amen.